Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, it was pretty trippy when I told Pastor John what I was preaching on. He was like, mate, I think that's very prophetic because I'm preaching on this. Man, no, nah, that was really good. So I definitely believe we're going to be blessed tonight. Amen. So yeah, good evening, church, and hello to everyone on live stream. Um, I hope everyone's been remaining strong during this time. I know we're going into another week of lockdown and... um. Not being able to fill up our church has been tough, you know. It's been hard for a lot of us. Um, I, I really miss seeing everybody here, being able to fellowship and pray with everybody. So um, I, I've, I've really been thinking about all of you guys at home, and um, I'm going to continue to keep you guys in prayer as well, okay? I'm not too sure where things are headed with lockdowns and vaccines, <laughs> But I have faith that, and I believe that we'll all be able to come back here and uh, be reunited soon. Amen. Now, I want to start off tonight's message with a little story. It's about my friend Vinny. <laughs> now, most of you guys, they, you guys know Vinny. Um, he comes to our church. He moved down to Melbourne, so he hasn't um, been able to come as much, but he still comes when he can. Now, um, Vinny's a big Big guy, you know. Uh, he, he was a football player. Since he was young, he's been playing footy. He carried all throughout high school and continued on after high school. He went on to play in the professional level, you know. First grade, NRL. He played on TV. He went on to the Rabbitohs. He was playing with Melbourne, Roosters. He was playing at the top level, fresh out of high school. He was on some big money, straight out of high school. You know, a lot of those professional footballers, they're on like 100,000 a year plus, you know what I mean? So my mate Vinny, he's young and he's rich, but he has such a big heart, he just wanted to take care of everybody. On the other hand, I was a uni student living off Centrelink, so it was kind of like the complete opposite of Vinny at the time. But um, you see... Vinny did his banking with Commonwealth, and I did mine with ANZ. Now, every time we'll go out to eat, now it'll be time to pay for our meal. He'll come in, come on, bro, stop. Pull out his card. Commonwealth's going to take care of us today. Commonwealth's got us, mate. Don't worry. You know, I think for Vinny, that was one of his biggest characteristics. He, he wanted to be someone who could take care of everybody. That's who he is, you know. Now, I promise this story has a meaning. I'm not just here talking up my mate. But um, you see, Vinny, he was a good player. But he got to the point where he didn't want to play footy anymore. He had enough. He was, you know, getting injured a lot. And there's not only a physical demand on your body when you're always playing footy, but there's a psych psychological battle that you go through as well. And um, he just felt like he just needed to take a break. So he stepped out of footy and um, he sort of went on to this, through this journey and pursuing like entrepreneurship uh, and really got into business. So as he became interested in business, he had to go through a job hunt, right? Big footballer, now he's pursuing business. 
went from making all of this money to now on the job hunt, <laughs> right? At this point, me and Vinny were together in the unemployment line, so to speak. We had a lot of free times, free time on our hands, both jobless, and um, he still had a little bit of money left over from footy, but that was starting to run out. And it got to the point where it was the first time in his life where he was sort of worried about money. And um, he, began, he began to worry about certain things that he never thought, thought about before. How is he going to manage? Um, he just didn't know how things were going to pan out with the way he was going, right? Now... I remember telling him, I said, Vinny, just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord's process. His process is in place and he's going to take care of us. So we were both basically broke and unemployed. But we'd always tell each other, hey, trust the process, right? We always knew that the Lord would provide. Well, for Vinny, this was the first time he was like stepping into that as opposed to always having it, having the money to pay for everything. Now he was going from that to, all right, let's see how this is going to work out. Now, from here, we started to see amazing things. One day he called me. He was like, bro, we're eating good today. <laughs> he was like, I woke up and I saw $100 next to me, man. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He's like, I don't understand, you know. The only explanation would be is if um, my mom gave me money, but she's never given me money before. <laughs> and he, he just felt in his heart, he knew it was from God. You know, um, he knew, God knew what Vinny needed and when he needed it, right? We would talk about what we're going to go out and eat, even though we didn't have money. We'll be like, oh, man, I feel like this. Yeah, bro, we should get this. And, you know, somehow it would happen. Sometimes I would cut people's hair, right? And I never took payments. It just wasn't my thing. I just like to do it for free. But instead of, um, instead of paying me, usually what they'll do is, like, oh, you cut my hair, I'll get your feed. I'm like, all right. Every time that I cut someone's hair, yo, Vinny, <laughs> we're eating good today. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is where we saw the change. We stopped, Vinny went from Commonwealth's got us to, hey, God's got us. <laughs> if Vinny was here today, I know he's watching on live stream, but if he was here today, he would tell you how amazing it was. You know, even with no income, with no job, we were still living the same way we always were, with his big salary. <laughs> we were eating at restaurants, going out, living our best life. You know, we, we were eating better than all my mates who had full-time jobs. <laughs> and they were just like, man, <laughs> you guys are just living your life. We're like, yeah, man. But, you know, it came because... We relied on God to provide for all of that. 
But even more so than that, we gave God the glory and recognized that it was God providing. So, you know, saying little things like, oh, God's got us. Oh, praise God. Look at this. You know, we just knew somehow, some way it would work out for us. And, um, yeah, it was just such an amazing time. But what I'm trying to get at through this story is, you know, sometimes when life's good, when everything's going our way, we're not really focused on God providing for us, right? A lot of us are focused on providing for ourselves, our families, our loved ones. We carry all the pressure of making, every, making sure everything's okay, right? 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you, right? Now, when you leave all your worries to Jesus, you see that he takes care of everything. You suddenly get a peace. Everything falls into place. Sometimes we get caught up in all the work that we're doing, and we forget. We forget that God got us the job. God helped us get that promotion. God was the one who helped you start your business. So when things start to get shaky, when our job gets taken away from us, when our business goes through a big downturn, we naturally begin to worry, right? How am I going to survive? How am I going to pay the rent? You know, with all this going on, how can I provide for my family? You see, we're so used to handling everything ourselves that we begin to forget that God's been the one providing for us the whole time. But our main focus instead is on how can we get ourselves out of this negative situation? Now, like my, my friend Vinny, some of us don't understand it at first. Sometimes we only realize it once we're pushed to that point where we have no choice but to rely on God, where we have nothing left. And at that moment when we rely on God and put our whole hope in God, we see him provide, and he provides more than enough. You know, for a lot of us, it's not until we get to that point that we fully understand how much of a provider our God is. You know, how amazing and powerful he is to take care of all of your needs. You see, after me and Vinny were unemployed for a while, after realizing how much God took care of us, Vinny's faith just kept growing, believing in God's provision. So Vinny ended up booking a flight to Hawaii because the flights were cheap, but he had no money. You know, God was providing for us nearly every day. So naturally, Vinny believed that God's going to provide in Hawaii too. Flights are cheap. You know, I've never met anybody that was so calm about going overseas with no money. <laughs> but he had not one doubt in his mind that everything was going to work out. No stress on, on the man's face. He was just happy to go to Hawaii. <laughs> Now listen, because the day before he left, God provided. 
there was some money uh, in his contract and um, through footy, it hit his account the day before he left. How good is God, amen? How many of us could have went and booked a flight the day before we still got no money wondering what's going to happen and not being stressed? But see, that money came when he needed it. But God already had all of that processing before he even asked for it, right? You see, the God we, all, the God we serve already knows your needs and your struggles, okay? He's ready to provide for you when you allow him to take the reins. You know, I could tell so many stories of when God just did amazing things that no one could explain for me and my family. And um, just by trusting him, we, we can see how much he takes care of us. Um, I know for a lot of us, that's easier said than done, though. You know what I mean? It's not always easy to let the reins go and let God take care of your situation, especially during this lockdown. A lot of us have lost a lot already, and it's taken a big toll. Some of us have stopped working. We have bills to pay, families to feed. Some of us have had to close our businesses, and we're living off whatever little income we still have saved. We're seeing all these things we worked for go down the drain and we have no control over the situation. It's such a difficult thing to go through and I know we're all fighting our own struggle in our own way. And it's reaching a tipping point and we can see, you know, society struggling and fighting and opposing this lockdown. But I promise you, when you have no choice but to rely on the one who created you, you will see how he provides for your every need. And your faith in him will just skyrocket. You will no longer feel like you're swimming, struggling to keep your head above water. You will be calm and relaxed because God is good. God's got us. Right? You might end up booking flights with faith instead of money as well. Now, in the Bible, we see so many examples of God providing for his people, right? But I want to highlight a passage here where Jesus is addressing the people who already had everything they needed, who no longer relied on God for provision. You probably think he was speaking to non-believers or idolaters or... But in Revelations 3 verse 17, Jesus is speaking to a church in Laodicea. He says, Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, he's talking to a church, a group, a group of believers who lived comfortable lives. They had everything they needed. And they liked expensive, materialistic things, right? A lot of us might relate to that. These were the things they said within their hearts. I need nothing. They didn't need God's provision. 
they relied on themselves, even though they were believers. A lot of us are the same, right? We take care of our bills, we calculate how much we need to spend on food, shopping, clothes, how much we can spoil ourselves with. We got it all worked out in our own heads, right? There's not really any room for God. Now if we go back to verse 15, we see how Jesus describes these people. He says, I know your works, that you were neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. From this, we can see that the church became a lukewarm church. These people were self-dependent, self-focused. They didn't rely on God. They focused on materialistic things. In the end, the church was less focused on God and their faith was reduced to a lukewarm state. And a lot of us have been in a similar position, right? Where we focus less on God and more on our own lives. You see, we begin to believe in God for certain things and then other things we just do it ourselves, work it out. And um, that's a very dangerous place because we sort of put God in a box of what he can do, what he can't do. You see, certain problems is, oh, you don't have to worry about this, God, I'll take care of this one. But from this passage, we get a clear image of how clear or how dangerous it can be when we're living comfortably without any real immediate needs, right? We have no need to rely on God to provide our next meal or some clothes or a place to stay. We rely on ourselves and we work for everything, right? What happens is we put faith in ourselves and we struggle to just keep pulling through, keep pushing through. You know, my hours got cut. Rent is coming up. How am I going to manage? I don't think I'll be able to survive. It's not until we reach the point of hopelessness that we have no choice but to cry out to God for help. And for a lot of people, that might be right now. Maybe right now you're feeling like that. Right? And I want to share an amazing passage that Pastor John was talking about earlier from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. We see a woman who is in a hopeless situation, right? But she called on God. In verse 1 it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. It's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. We see this lady who, first of all, she's lost her husband. Right? And now the debt collectors are coming for the debt that her husband owed, which has now become her responsibility. But since she had no way of paying them back, the only option was for her sons to be taken as collateral, you know, to become slaves for them. 
And how hopeless would that be? They're coming for everything she has, her whole life. But first of all, she recognizes that her situation is hopeless. She can't do this in her own strength. You know, she can't start weaving clothes real quickly and try and make some profits off that and get that money. She can't pay back the debt and save her sons in time. So she runs to the prophet Elisha for help, hoping that God's power will intervene and save her. Now verse 2 it says, So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maid servant has nothing in this house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. So they're coming after her and Elisha tells her, Okay, go to your neighbors, grab as many containers, you know, vases, anything you can. She must have been confused, right? What do you mean, Elijah, mate? These guys want money. <laughs> You're telling me to go get some pots and pans and containers. <laughs> but in verse 4, you know, it says, And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your two sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set the full ones aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now her situation is not looking too good, right? The only thing she could do in this moment was rely on God. And we see an amazing act of faith here. All she had left was this little bit of oil. Her last meaningful possession. And she's pouring it out in faith, believing. that the Lord would provide, right? Now in verse 6 it says this, Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is no other vessel. The oil ceased. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. So we see such a miracle in this, right? With that little bit of oil she had, she managed to fill up all of those containers, all those vases, everything she gathered from her neighbors. We see how amazing God is, how he provides abundantly for us, how much he can help when we really rely on him, right? Not only did they have enough to pay back the debt, but also enough to live off. When we take these acts of faith and when we rely on God, we see how amazing that provision is. Now, if you've been in that place of hopelessness with no other choice but to rely on God, you realize that you are living off his blessings and his provision. This is something that I've seen and experienced personally in my own life. You know, when I was in my final year of high school, year 12, 
Um, my mom and my siblings were living together and we're all basically living off my mom's Centrelink paycheck, right? She was just earning the family um, benefit, trying to take care of my little brother and sister. They were young at the time. And um, I'm pretty sure most of you know that Centrelink doesn't really help as much as you'd want them to do, right? On top of that, um, she got caught up in some issues with her childcare provider. They were, they, were, they were doing some kind of shady business and my mum tried to fight it. Um, but it just became like a long process. In the end, she had to pay back Centrelink a big fine, right? It was like over nine grand or something like that. I don't really know the details. But um, it had something to do with like a Centrelink childcare rebate or something. I don't know. Someone might be familiar with that. But yeah, it ended up coming back and... Um, now, because she had that fine with Centrelink, those payments were coming out of her weekly payments that she would normally get. Now, when we got the payment summary for the whole year, it was about $7,000 she earned, like annually. Can you imagine being a single parent, three kids, and for the whole year you only have $7,000? The average annual salary in Australia is over 60,000. She didn't even have a friend, like she had what, just over 10% of that? She only had seven. But listen to this, right? Because this is where we see how God was working. During that same year, she managed to buy me a car for my graduation gift. We never felt like we struggled at all during that whole year. Not like truly struggling, like everyone has struggles, you know what I mean? But we didn't feel like we were only on $7,000 a year. And everyone looking at us from the outside in wouldn't have guessed it. Because we didn't even feel it. <laughs> we only realized when we looked at it, right? It just didn't add up. All the money going in was nowhere near all the money that needed to go out. I don't know what kind of accountant was looking at our books, but... It just didn't make sense, right? Mum would always believe that God was going to provide for us. But yeah, it wasn't until we read that summary, that payment summary for the year when we, what? Wow, like, how amazing is God? You know, everything was taken care of. We always had food. Our school clothes were always nice. Everything we needed, petrol. God, God is so good, you know. And the same God that helped that widower when she called out. The same God that helped me and my family. He's the same God that will help you in your time of need as well, right? You see, a lot of us right now are struggling. Our livelihoods are being taken away from us. We might feel like that widower. Where even though our jobs, our businesses, our incomes have been taken away, we still have bills to pay, mortgages. We still need to put food on the table. And sometimes the money coming in 
just can't add up to the money that needs to go out. But we just need to accept that we can't do everything. But we serve a God who can. And He wants to. He wants to show you that He can provide. He wants to prove to you. He wants you to be amazed how awesome He is. You see, God has so many promises in the Bible that stand true. All we have to do is believe. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You see, when we trust in God, we don't worry about anything. We know when God's in control, we're just able to relax. Oh, God's got it. Oh, if I lose my job, it's all right. God gave me the job. God's got something better. Well, God's got a plan. You know, God will pay for me when I'm in Hawaii. It's all right. <laughs> Another verse in John 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Sometimes we just need that reminder that God's bigger. Bigger than your difficulties, your problems. Everything, the huge mountains that are in front of you. It seems so difficult at times, you know. But God's overcome all of that. And He's on your side. He's right behind you. There are so many promises of God throughout the Bible. He knows the needs of his people and is faithful to provide when we call him and rely on him in faith. You see, God has been providing for his people all throughout time. During the famine in Egypt, God provided for Jacob and the 12 tribes through using Joseph, right? In the desert, when Moses and the Israelites left Egypt, God provided for them quail, manna, bread from heaven. He carried them through the day and night, led them. All these stories of his faithfulness to provide, you can just see it throughout the whole Bible. And it's still going on today. You know, this is going off on a bit of a tangent here, but some of you may already know this, but you know Noah's Ark has been confirmed? <laughs> In Ararat, where the Bible says the Ark rested. You can look it up if you want. But they found this fossil of an Ark. It took an earthquake for it to be uncovered. And... um. The measurements of this fossil match exactly what the Bible says with the cubits. And there were man-made rivets on the side of the, um, the rock. You can see that there were wedges as if it was a boat. You know, another thing, um, Mount Sinai, 
it was believed to be confirmed as well. They found this mountain in Saudi Arabia, right? On top of the mountain, it's burnt black. The Bible says in Exodus 19 verse 8, The Lord descended on the mountain in fire. It was hot like a furnace. Right? Like the archaeologists couldn't really have an explanation for it. To add to that, at the bottom of the mountain, there were 12 pillars, which matches the biblical um, description for the 12 tribes of Judah, right? Or the 12 tribes of Israel, sorry. Even more so, they found an altar where they believe the golden calf was put up. And there were gold pieces. The, the altars cut, like, cut off and... Um, the reason for that is because apparently locals were going in there and finding gold pieces. This is all written in scripture, right? So many biblical events are being confirmed by science and archaeology. The Red Sea crossing. Chariots and these remains were found at the bottom of the Red Sea. And they could see a, a clear path leading through the sea and there's a pillar to mark it and the Bible says it was put there by King Solomon you know the, the rock of Horeb which Moses struck there's an actual rock that looks like it's cut in half and there's water erosion all throughout that and the other rocks don't have that all these discoveries on the path where the Israelites left Egypt to go to the Promised Land. The Bible has already been confirmed in, in all these findings. There's so much evidence. You see, a lot of atheists try and argue it, and their explanations are so far-fetched. You know, oh, the, the rock probably got struck by lightning, which caused water to shoot up from the bottom of it simultaneously causing a perfect crack down the middle. And it... But this is how amazing our God is, right? Even Sodom and Gomorrah, they found these ancient ruins with all these little balls of sulfur. And the Bible says like when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent um, fire and brimstone, which is the sulfur. And the sulfur they found there was more pure than any other sulfur they found like throughout the world. There's just so many crazy findings. I've been finding this and looking into it myself, but it's just such a revelation of how amazing our God is and how real this Bible is. This is the God that we serve, right? The God that we put our faith in. The God who takes care of all our needs. And he can provide for you, just like he's been providing for all his people throughout history. God is so real. The Bible, so real. And how real is your faith in him? To trust in him. Now, I hope this word has encouraged some of you as much as it encouraged me as I was really getting into it. And 
for everyone online, everyone here, I just want to speak life into your situation today. You know, during this troubled time, I just want you guys to be encouraged and just to really feel blessed about the God that we serve. Because He is amazing, amen? So in closing, I just want to pray for everyone here and for all of you at home, where you're watching it from. Um, I wish I could call you guys up here to pray for you individually. But um, yeah, I really want to pray, pray for everyone there. So guys, I just want to ask if we can just close our eyes and just bow our heads just so we can honor God. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the awesome God that you are, Lord. For being the God who provides. For being the God of miracles, Lord. For being the God who loves and cares for his people. For being the God who takes care of everybody's burdens, Lord, Father. I thank you for every person who watches this, Lord, Father. And I just pray, Lord, Father God, that you'll give them a peace. That you would just let them know, Lord, Father God, that you are taking care of whatever problem it is. Whatever problem that they're facing, Lord, Father God. I just pray that your hand will be upon them, upon their mind, upon their hearts, that they won't be troubled, Lord. That they would know that you got the situation under control. And Lord, I just ask you to prove yourself to them. Those who are trying to do things in their own strength, Lord, Father God, prove to them what your word says, what your promises say are true, Lord, Father. And Lord, during this time, I just pray for more strength, more faith in all of our brothers and sisters, Lord, Father God, that you will continue to strengthen us Lord, Father God, and just help us, Lord, to follow you and do your will during this time, Lord. I thank you for the amazing things that are about to be seen, Lord, Father God, as we take, the, take our hands off the will, Lord, Father God, and just let you take control of this situation. So, Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy, Lord. I thank you for your grace. And I pray for everybody right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that they would know your love, Lord, that they would know how much of a provider you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.